now broadcasting from Suitland, Maryland, USA, Abiding Truth with Dr. McCune, an outreach of Suitland Road Baptist Church. Please visit us at www.srbcoutreach.org. And now, here's our pastor, Dr. Kelvin M. McCune. God for this season. Over the next few Sundays, you will be hearing messages from the Gospel of Luke. As we appreciate and we thank God for what He has done almost 2,000 years ago and the impact of that. As we reflect on those portions of Scripture, I want you to keep this in mind. The season, the birth of Jesus, has to do with God's plan of redemption. And let's and just keep that in mind as we spend time, as we journey through that over the next few weeks. All right? It is the greatest expression of God's love towards us. His only begotten Son. And that's what this season, Christmas, is all about. So we praise God. We don't know the exact day concerning the birth of our Lord Jesus. And thank God we don't, because people would have, people then would start worshiping the day. But we praise God that historically the church has this season in which we celebrate the birth of our Lord. And that is healthy, and we thank God. And then it allows us to be able to go out an opportunity many a times to greet others and to bless them in the name of Jesus. This morning's message title is The Spirit and Power of Elijah. The Spirit and Power of Elijah. And God sent John. God raised up John. And the Lord will send him as a forerunner. in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will come before Jesus. And God is sending us into the world. In the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit now, and the power that is in Jesus' name. And we are going out before Jesus returns. Are you observing the, the parallels there? Yes. We are the ones going out now in the name of Jesus. But we're not proclaiming that Messiah will come. We are proclaiming Messiah came and he has provided salvation. Let's ask God to bless us. Father, O Holy Spirit, Please speak to us through your word. Dear God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Dr. Luke. And thank you, God, for those who pass on to him 
Peter and Paul and others, and especially those who were eyewitnesses. You know, Father, Matthew would have spoken with him. And thank you, Father, for filling him and using him to write your word. And thank you for preserving it, that we have it today. Thank you, Jesus. Speak into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Luke is writing, In as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Luke was aware that others had written accounts concerning our Lord Jesus. And he's bearing testimony that those things were indeed from the Lord. Others have, they were eyewitnesses of what God did, that Jesus came among us. And he's writing this to Theophilus, who most likely is a Gentile, and he says most excellent. So he would have been someone in a position in society of authority. And he would also write the history Dr. Luke, God will use him to write the history of the church, the early church, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts. All of this is concerning God, what God is doing. There were eyewitnesses concerning God's purpose in our lives. Verses 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. This order of Abijah, there are 24 hours 24 divisions. This division of Abijah. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 24 and verses 10 concerning this division of Abijah. And being a priest, Zechariah would have this responsibility to light this, the incense. 
But observe this. The scripture says, and they were both righteous before God. They were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Righteousness is determined by God. There's a lesson here for us, a great lesson. We don't measure our righteousness by comparing ourselves with others. We measure our righteousness by reflecting on God, who God is. And the only way we can know who God is is the word of God. That's how we look at our lives and we say, Father, the way I'm living, is it pleasing to you? And the Holy Spirit will help us. And he will help us to grow spiritually and he will help us because his desire is to root out all those areas in our lives that are hindering us from walking righteously before the Lord. That's why the scripture says, whatever you do, we do it as unto the Lord. It's easy to self-examine when we examine ourselves with others. The real blessing, really, I was about to say challenge, but it is a blessing, is when the Holy Spirit leads us to examine our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, our attitudes, our perspective, our practices, our habits. Habits can be good habits or it can be unhealthy habits. Examining everything. Oh dear God, you search my heart, Father. So they, they live right before God, but observe this. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well advanced in years. I would imagine this would have been a prayer, ongoing prayer. At that time in that culture, for a woman to have a child, especially a male, a male child, it shows her favor, God's favor upon her. It shows her role as a woman and as a wife. But they did not have any children, plus they were older. But they continued to walk right before God. Walking right before God has nothing to do with where we are at in terms of our life needs that we're praying for. One can, one can be homeless and still walking right before God. You can live in a small room and still be walking right before God. She was without child, but they still walk right before God. This time came where it was about that season and the hour of incense where he had to perform this task. There were probably about 18,000 priests at that time. Out of that 18,000, one would have to be chosen to do this. And he would have to do this for one week, twice a year. And a lot fell upon him. You see how God is in control of everything? This was his time, and God is in control. 
it says here at the hour of incense it will either be 9 a.m. in the morning or 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon. Most likely this is speaking about 3.30 in the afternoon. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his name. For he will be great in the sight of God, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Life begins in the womb at very conception. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah is praying. He has a personal prayer need. He is fulfilling his responsibility. This is his calling to be a priest. He would be from the tribe of Levi, even his wife also. So he had this prayer request. Observe, he did not give up. He is still praying. He is older now, and he is still bringing that before the Lord. The angel came, and the angel ministered to him. Your praise heard. When we pray, God may tell us, wait. God may tell us, yes. Or God may tell us, no. It is never our responsibility to dictate to God how to answer a prayer. But it is for us to rest in him and to trust that he knows what is best. Don't matter the prayer. He is in control of it all. Let's pay attention to the fact here that God is giving him as a father direction that his son will follow the Nazarite vow. And he understands this and he brings him up this way. And this is found in Numbers chapter 6 verses 1 to 4 and Judges chapter 13 verses 5 to 7 concerning that instruction. The Nazarite vow. And that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today when we put our faith in Jesus, what happens? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. The Holy Spirit comforts us and guides us. Everything that we do is the result of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Most important, the Holy Spirit fills us 
And he uses us to display the power of Christ, to be a witness as to who Jesus is. That's why the Lord says to the church, the early church, he says, but you receive, you will receive power when my spirit, when he comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. The power of Christ inside of us. In our life today, whatever our prayer need, what, wherever we, whatever we are bringing before the Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to pray. Scripture says we do not know how we ought to pray. But the Holy Spirit guides us and he leads us and he teaches us how to pray. Now, saint, listen, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God himself. He is God himself. And when we think of prayer, we think prayer and faith and believe in the Holy Spirit. Evangelism living for the kingdom of God as to the reason why I am breathing and the Holy Spirit. Now here, here is what we do not want to do. We do not want to approach God and say, God, I am believing in your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to understand who you are, dear God. And then on the other hand, we say, dear God, over here, I am praying. And I am evangelizing. Out of me, that is. What we have to do is say, Oh, Holy Spirit, only you can teach me and use me to pray. Only you can empower me, and I can experience your power working through me to tell others that Jesus is your Savior. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Are we following this? And this is a great lesson here. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is referring here to Christ, even so, as the Spirit comes upon him. Both, both John himself will have the Holy Spirit, then Christ will have the Holy Spirit. So here is an application to John, but in the future it will be the same application to whom? To Jesus. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. John will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus will be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And what was the purpose? He's coming under the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of and power of Elijah to go forth with a message that Messiah is coming. He will be the forerunner. Today, the church, listen, Jesus will return. He will return. And he will take his church. And God is using us to prepare the way for his return. The Bible says this gospel will be preached throughout the world before Christ returns. That's why church, the Holy Spirit will always lead us to tell others about Jesus. There's a danger. Listen, there is a danger in our lives when we say to God, God, you got it all wrong. 
You have it all wrong, dear God. Because first you have to solve my problem before I tell others all around the world that you die for them. No. We say, dear God, your spirit would lead me to experience seeking your kingdom first. And you'll take care of the rest. Are we following that? And God will never fail. He will never, ever fail. And it demands righteous living. Because John himself walked and lived righteously before the Lord. Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. He is bringing a situation here before the Lord and we will understand what is happening inside of him. With this question, he lacks the faith to accept what the angel is saying to him at face value. Mary will ask a similar question. How shall this be? But she had accepted what Gabriel said. Zechariah is asking the same question, but he lacks the faith. He has to accept. He did not accept fully what the angel is saying will happen. Now, how do we know that? And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring this glad, these glad tidings. Behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things will take place because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled in your own time. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Listen, church, it is always better when we believe God. Are you following that? But the, the good news, and we should not glory in this at all, because we'll be far more effective. There's a world to reach that even where there is lack of faith and inconsistency, it does not in any way hinder God's movement. It will hinder, though, the advancement of the gospel in that sense. It does. It does hinder that. But there's an ongoing prevailing movement of the Holy Ghost. Now, Paul says, there are those who preach the gospel even for selfish gain. And because it's the gospel, souls will be won to Jesus. But how much more if they were doing it for the right attitude, for the right purpose? You got that? How much more? So he doubted. We have to take God at his word. There is something that God gave us as humans, mankind. God gave us two beautiful gifts. From the very beginning, when God created Adam, God gave him this beautiful gift called faith, to have faith in God. 
and God gave him this gift called choice to choose. You follow that? The other things God gave Adam, they were responsibilities, authority over the animals, name the animals. But the devil attacked those two gifts, those two great abilities to have faith in God and God only and to take God at his word. He should have just taken God at his word, shouldn't he? God says, the day you do this, you eat this, you shall surely die. But you keep being faithful for me. In other words, you don't do it, what will happen? You will maintain your authority and you will live and you will multiply and you will have children. And everyone, generations will be blessed. But he had to do that by faith. And then he had to choose. It's the same thing here. That simple message. The angel came. And all Zechariah had to do was to say, I believe. And that's the message for us today. We just have to believe. Take God at his word. And even if we find ourselves not understanding, we say, oh dear God, I believe. But help any unbelief. Holy Spirit, please help any unbelief. Are we following that? God understands our frame. He understands our weaknesses. Say, God, and he will help us. So Gabriel is blessing Zechariah. He's blessing him by allowing him not to not be able to speak. He is helping him to get from there to where he can fully trust God. What a blessing. As today, God understands our weaknesses, and he still blesses us because he wants us to grow in our faith in him because God had a greater purpose. What is the purpose here? He's going to send John in the spirit and power of Elijah. You got that? And so it was as soon as the days of his service, those days were completed. So for one week, his one week was up. Every morning, every afternoon, he's in there lighting that incense. that he departed to his own home, house. And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And she hid herself five months. Does the Lord has dealt with me? She is saying this, expressing this. Does the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. God is ministering to her situation, to Elizabeth in her situation, isn't it? In her world, her predicament. God, can you bless me with a child? Can you even bless me with a male child? But yet, and, and even so, in the midst of ministering to her need, there is something greater happening here. The divine work of God. And in our lives, what is the lesson here? In our lives, whatever we are going through in life, when we bring it to the Lord, listen, 
when we bring it to the Lord, never let the devil let the blessing cease at the point of the answering of the prayer. Never let the devil let it cease right there. God, thank you for answering my prayer. And then nothing happens. Whenever God answers our prayer, there is always a greater divine purpose of what God is doing to bring glory to himself. If it ceased at the point of prayer, what happened? The focus was just on self. But when we say, oh dear God, with this that is in my life, this problem, this difficulty, this trial, whatever I'm going through, Father, when you answer it, dear God, beyond my thinking, let your divine work take place. And that's the blessing. And while we are waiting, what did she do? She walked right before God. You following that? Now, for us, for Elizabeth and Zachariah, they're understanding what is the divine purpose here. God is going to raise up John to be the messenger, as Malachi spoke about. He is going to be the forerunner. She understands. They, they both will understand that as time go along. They will see it come to plan. To pass. He's the one who will baptize Jesus. What is our, what is the greater purpose in our life when we go through life problems and trials? Is there such a thing as a greater divine purpose? Is there such a thing? Or are we just living just to bring one need after the other, after the other, until we get old and die? What is that greater purpose? Here is what God says in his word. The Lord says, pray, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will raise up laborers for his harvest field. And every time we have a need, and we bring before the Lord, that we bring before the Lord, we say, oh dear God, use this Father for that divine purpose for I your church is now your forerunner until you return. So, Father, please use me, strengthen me when you answer this prayer to continue. Raise me up to be a laborer for your harvest field. Are we following that? No prayer. Don't ever give in to the devil. Don't ever make ourselves so important that our prayer ends with us when God answers it. It is that greater purpose, just like John being the forerunner. We are the forerunner for Christ's return. And I can tell you this. When that happens, we may not understand all the time the pain and suffering that we go through, but it sure eases that pain when we know there is that greater purpose coming. It's sure. We may, not, we may not understand clearly how our God will work it all out, but we sure get a comfort from the Holy Spirit. But God, there is that divine greater work, dear God. And here is what the Lord says. 
when I comfort you, God promises this, when I comfort you, think about Elizabeth when God comforted her, give her a child. So for us, God says, when I comfort you, this is a guarantee, an amazing guarantee, I will use that comfort to be a comfort to other people. And when that happened, even so, the end result is that God, the Holy Spirit, is always, he is always allowing us to experience this. Let's remember this now. Otherwise, we'll miss everything that he wants us to experience, seeking him and seeking his kingdom, his righteousness, so that he'll add the other things but his kingdom and his righteousness becomes that divine purpose. What is his kingdom and righteousness? Jesus. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He, he came in this world to die for people. And he hasn't stopped his mission. In our lives, it did not end with our salvation. He wants people to be saved. And he's still doing it. And we're going out in something greater than the spirit and power of Elijah. We're going out now under the power of the Holy Ghost. And he strengthens our faith to rest and to trust in him. Perspective, isn't it? Biblical perspective. Father, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that when we say, like Elizabeth, that you have looked upon us and we are receiving your favor, oh dear God, That there is a divine work, dear God. Your mission, Jesus. Your mission, God, for souls to come to you. For your gospel to be preached throughout the world. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. For those who are listening, thank you for joining us here. Thank you. Put your faith in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is your Savior. He is God Almighty. And he went to the cross. He went to Calvary. And he paid the price, satisfied the Father when he died. He died for our sins. And all he's asking is for you to have faith in what he did. He became the ransom. He paid the price for your sins. That that is happening in you at this very moment, that's faith that God gave us. That ability to just trust Jesus. Trust him today. Trust him at my very voice because what I'm saying is scripture.
you trust him today as your Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We pray for those who are listening in. Oh, dear God, thank you, Jesus. Save them, Jesus. Save them because your gospel went forth. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Amen.